0: So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself.
1: I thought there'd be
2: couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know
0: me.
3: So how is this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into way psychology is portrayed.
1: We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult
0: your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult and spooky themes. <laughs>
1: Yes. Welcome back to the podcast, Freudian Scriptors. We are so excited to be returning after a break to our favorite time of year. Well, at least my favorite time of year. (laughs) Well, yeah, your favorite time of year. (laughs) Spooky season. And we all know that Dr. Fran especially loves feeling scared and everything spooky. So today will be quite the challenge for her. Yeah. I'm a
0: little nervous of what Dr. Sam has prepared because as you all will hear, I was not looking forward to this particular show. So we will (laughs) see how it goes.
1: Yeah, so today we will be doing a Real Rounds mini-session. So as you may remember, we will round on a specific topic discussing clips and sharing information. And I'm really excited because this is a show that I have been trying to get Dr. Fran to do, but she really refuses to watch it. And I will agree, I think it is maybe the scariest show on TV, so I definitely get it. But I was able to talk her into it. that's a bold claim. Yeah, it's
0: creepy. (laughs) And for you to say that, that means it
1: must be scary. Exactly. So I was able to talk Dr. Fran in doing it for a mini session where she only has to listen to brief clips, and we will be rounding on the topic of psychology and exorcisms through the lens of the show, Evil. As with all of our real rounds, you do not have had to watch the show, Evil, to get uh, something out of today's
0: episode. I have not watched it, and so you do not have to have watched it to enjoy that today's episode. If you would like to watch it, it is available on Paramount+. Plus.
3: How many times have you declared a defendant sane? Francis
2: psychologist doesn't declare How many it. times have you determined the defendant had the mental capacity to be prosecuted? 34 times. Is my client possessed by a demon? Are you referring to demons metaphorically or clinically?
3: Ms. Bouchard, I work for the Catholic Church. So you're a priest? No, an assessor. My colleague Ben and I investigate unexplained phenomenon. I didn't know that was a job it is
2: i don't believe in all that
3: devils and possession the problem with my job is that possession looks a lot like insanity and i need someone to help me distinguish between the two
2: this is what a haunting well the theory is that the demon takes over the house
3: and then it takes over the person
2: (laughs) Why do you want me doing this?
3: There are people out there who do bad things and encourage others for the pleasure of it. Psychopaths? Yes. This is where our beliefs overlap.
0: So as a complete disclaimer, I have watched 0% of this show. I think (laughs) this is my first time maybe ever going into an episode recording where I have not watched it, besides our second opinions, where the whole purpose is to not have watched it. So I'm going into this with my life fully in Dr. Sam's hands that she doesn't, like, scare the crap out of me during the (laughs) clips that she's prepared for today.
1: They're pretty focused. I don't think it'll be too, too scary. But I do remember, and you listeners may remember as well, that last year for our spooky season, When we did The Psychology of Horror, Dr. Fran was very afraid just to listen to the scary, you know, like, noises clips. So we'll see.
0: (laughs) We'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. So in summary, evil follows a skeptical forensic psychologist named Kristen bouchard who's played by katya herberts who joins a catholic priest in training david acosta who's played by mike coulter and ben shakir who is played by asif mandvi as they investigate supposed miracles demonic possessions and other unexplained and scary sometimes and sometimes uplifting or hopeful phenomenon
0: that's not gonna be a hard no for me <laughs> hard no <laughs>
1: Basically, in the show, they conduct assessments to determine if there's a logical explanation or if there's something more supernatural at play. And really, the show kind of grapples with explaining the origins of evil.
0: So to hear a bit more about the premise, so Dr. Sam gave a nice summary there, we do have a clip pulled up to describe just the, the premise of the show from the cast perspective.
2: Evil examines why people do evil things. Is there a scientific explanation or is something else at play?
3: Miss Bouchard? Is my client possessed by a demon? Kristen is this forensic psychologist who is
2: purely science-based. Are you referring to demons metaphorically or clinically? She meets
3: David, who is hired by the Catholic Church to investigate unexplained phenomena. Possession looks a lot like insanity. We want to hire you to help us distinguish between the two.
2: How much do you pay? We will be looking at miracles, different supernatural happenings. There's an explanation for everything. Everything. That's an unusual type of procedural.
3: You don't have to believe in the supernatural to know that there are people out there who are evil.
1: All right, Dr. Fran, did that clip win you over? Definitely did not. It's an
0: interesting concept. Like, I think it's very fascinating. And I could definitely see that I can imagine and we'll play some clips today, where there's that push pull between like, you've got the psychologist who obviously is coming from her perspective of like, we can come up with a psychological explanation for everything. And then you've also got the priests who are going to come up with a religious explanation for everything. And so I'm interested to see kind of, it's an intriguing concept. And I would be interested to see that, but I would not sleep if I watched (laughs) clips from this show it reminds me a little bit of i think it was called the ghost whisperer with um jennifer love hewitt it was a show that was like oh yeah old like it (laughs) came out like a long time ago and it was similar where she would go and like talk to ghosts and figure out what they needed and then like you know solve things that way but even that show was hard for me to watch because the ghosts were really creepy I, i don't know what it is about paranormal but that is like my number one like, scary horror stuff that I cannot do
1: is paranormal, like ghosts and
0: demons Mm -hmm. and exorcist-type stuff. You would
1: not like this one. There are common—it's common that someone is, like, you know, being possessed by, like, a demonic figure. There are a lot of scary scenes. There's, like, kind of, like—it's actually pretty dark sometimes, too. Like, it's actually can take really dark turns. Um, But I I agree with you. The thing that I find interesting about it is, like, it's this push or pull— Between like science, medicine, like religion, beliefs, right? Um, Which makes it really interesting. Mm -hmm. And two of the characters, so Dr. Bouchard and Ben, um, Ben's like this other techie science guy. Like they're really skeptical. They don't believe in like the miracle or unexplained aspects. They definitely believe more in the science. And then, you know, soon to be Father Acosta is on the other side. So the main clip and topic that we're going to be talking about today, though, like as we premise, because there are a lot of different themes and situations that arise on evil Um, but really we're going to dive into one of the earlier seasons when they first start working together and when they do address an demonic possession uh, slash exorcism so i think interestingly dr fran and i have never heard of this kind of job before so let's hear you know (laughs) david recruit Kristen for this job and see how that goes to begin with my nightmare job
2: thanks a lot for the job offer but i can't work for the defense
3: I'm not with the defense. I don't understand. I work for the Catholic Church, David Acosta.
2: Why were you in with LaRue?
3: I was interviewing him to see whether he was possessed.
2: So you're a priest? No, an assessor. (laughs) I don't know what that is.
3: Well, the church has a backlog of about 500,000 requests for exorcisms and uh, miracle appraisals. And my colleague Ben and I are hired by the church to investigate unexplained phenomenon and to recommend whether there should be an exorcism or further research.
2: I didn't know that was a job. It is. I'm sorry, it was a really long day. Mrs.
3: LaRue uh, asked us to assess her husband, Orson. She thinks he's possessed. Unfortunately, he won't talk with us anymore, but he will talk to you. Um, He seems to like you. We want to hire you to help us assess him.
2: Just to be upfront with you, Mr. Um, Acosta. Acosta, I don't believe in all that. Devils and possession.
3: That's okay. See, the problem with my job is that possession looks a lot like insanity, and insanity looks a lot like possession. I need someone to help me distinguish between the two.
2: You don't care that I don't believe?
3: I do not.
0: How much do you pay? See, if the whole show was like that, I would watch it. That was intriguing. I was interested to find out what happens next. And if they just skipped all the scary scenes, then maybe I'd be into it.
1: The whole job, though, unfortunately revolves around scary scenes. And I will say, um, while we were watching the clip, Dr. Fran made a comment like, oh, these are really good actors. I agree. The acting is really phenomenal. And just the creepy things, like everything is done really well, which really ups the scary factor, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, if it was like very poorly done, then it wouldn't be as scary, obviously.
1: Exactly. So Dr. Fran, have you ever heard of this kind of like, assessor, like someone who works in this capacity? You know, Dr. Bouchard was initially a forensic psychologist, and they want her to utilize her assessment skills to work with them to figure out like if demonic possessions are actually occurring. What do you think of that as a kind of role?
0: Yeah, it is not something that I am aware of that exists in the real world. Though, if you happen to be a psychologist who does this, let us know. Maybe we'll have you on the podcast to tell us about it. And the forensic psychologists I know do not do this type of like – differential diagnosis between possession and, um, what they say is insanity, but, you know, a a mental diagnosis. So we had Dr. Adam Coffey and Dr. Emily Weber and Dr. Emily, uh, talk about forensic psychology. So definitely go check those episodes out. I think it was like Shutter Island and Sounds of the Lambs, um, where we do a deeper dive on forensic psychology, but to my knowledge, they do not do any of this type of work.
1: No, I agree. And When Dr. Fran and I were doing some of our own research, we did come across like some some psychologists or people that do science in the field of like paranormal beliefs or telepathy, things of that nature. So there are people that might study things within this realm. Um, But in terms of this being like a very specific role, again, not to our knowledge, but definitely seems really interesting. I mean, it kind of makes sense in some way. So when they first recruit Kristen Bouchard. They actually see her as an expert witness on the case of a serial killer. So, you know, a lot, not all, but a lot of the cases do have some kind of crime, like, folded in, which is why they're being, like, asked to intervene, but not always. Um, So there is this, like, interesting overlap, or at least the way they portray it, which makes it compelling. And she uses a lot of the same assessment skills that she may um, use, like, in the forensic setting. So that's kind of interesting to see, too. Like, in one of the very first episodes... There is an examination or an assessment called the MMPI-2, and that's something that's often or has been used by forensic psychologists, and she does use that in some of her work um, with David Acosta. So just some interesting things like that.
0: Yeah, and I think it makes sense that there would be an element of wanting to make sure that this really is potentially demonic possession, and using psychological tools to be able to differentiate that, you know, in the realm of the show, we obviously, I think, believe that that's a thing that happens. Um, But then the alternative is that there needs to be an exorcism, right? So Dr. Sam, I feel like you're more well versed in
1: this topic than I am.
0: Can you tell us a bit
1: about what exorcisms are? (laughs) And in, uh, in defense, my expertise, as Dr. Fran mentioned, comes from watching TV shows and movies. I'm not an actual <laughs> literal expert in exorcism. Um, but in the context of what we're going to talk about today, exorcism is thought of as a cure or like a ritual that is done um, to free someone from demonic possession. Um, and so there is a lot of interesting literature out there about exorcisms, actually. And just in general, I don't know. If some of our listeners have taken philosophy courses or history courses related to medicine and psychology um, and religion, but these th- these constructs so you know religion sometimes quote unquote magic science medicine throughout history have been intertwined um, and so there are actually some really mm-hmm. interesting literature out there related to exorcisms and demonic possession um, and from what we could find. An exorcism presumes that people who are possessed still retain their free will. However, the demon or the demonic entity has control over their physical body. That's the main type of possession, the main type of exorcism that you see. Um, And then an exorcism itself would involve prayers, blessings, and invocations. Um, And typically they can tell someone needs an exorcism or someone is demonically possessed. If they are speaking a foreign or ancient language, but they had no previous knowledge of this language, um, sometimes there is apparent and observed supernatural strength that comes out of nowhere, knowledge of hidden or remote things, like kind of like secrets that they shouldn't know, like forbidden information that they reveal when they're possessed, and aversion to anything holy. So you'll see this in movies, you know, the cross, the holy water, and then Mm -hmm. blasphemy and sacrilege. So saying really like, you know, horrendous things against the church, against God, against Jesus, things of that nature. Those would be signs to someone that an exorcism may be required. <laughs> Dr. Fran looks terrified already. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I think I, I appreciate you bringing up like some of the interesting literature, and I think it's Important to also note the ways that, uh, particularly in the early days of psychology and psychiatry, how there were assumptions made about someone having certain symptoms, that it was automatically something to do with uh, demonic possession or something like that. And then we learned a lot more about mental health and were able to really put names to some of these phenomenon that people were seeing and attributing to some kind of demonic possession. But now we know a lot more and are able to put a name to a diagnosis that makes a lot more sense. And actually we can treat and have someone live a totally normal life without having to go through an exorcism necessarily.
1: That's true. And there have been cases throughout history actually that are documented of what they thought at the time was maybe like mass demonic possession or you know demonic possession um was often mistaken for people that we now know have like epilepsy or other like mental health conditions so you know it's been a long and winding path but these things have been interestingly related in the past um as we kind of dive in and talk more about possession and exorcism and psychology's role, we also do want to note that we're speaking, you know, as we usually do just kind of based on the TV show and in generalizations, um, and psychosis as well as beliefs about possession and exorcisms are very diverse, so they differ across cultures and countries and different people, and they definitely depend on the context and culture. So, you know, we're not meaning for anything today to be like the end-all be-all, just kind of presenting some of the information or some things that we find interesting um, based on what we see in the show evil today.
0: I see somewhere coming up next on our list here that there is a clip about exorcism and possession, which I'm kind of delaying because I don't know if I want to watch those clips.
1: (laughs) Yes. So I kind of gave a broad overview of what demonic possession can look like. Um, David Acosta does a really nice job of describing, I believe, the six main types of possession that they see in their field. So let's give a listen. I think that will give some context and also some understanding. Like, you know, listeners, as you're listening, just kind of think of Okay, if it isn't demonic possession, what else could be attributed to these types of things?
3: There are six types of possession. First is demonic possession. It's when a demon takes over a person's body without their consent. Mm -mm. It's what you see in most movies. It involves speaking in tongues, sudden personality changes, sudden violence, even superhuman strength.
0: Oh, hell no.
3: The next type of possession is physical pain. This is a sickness or an injury due to a demon being inside a person. It doesn't impact the soul just the body the third is diabolic oppression
2: Uh -uh. this
3: is when a demon torments a person causing tragic events in their lives the loss of a loved one the loss of a job a home basically the story of job the fourth type of possession is diabolical infestation it's when demonic entities take over a house an object even an animal fifth is diabolical subjugation is when the possessed invites the demon into their lives. They do this through gameplay or pledging their soul to the devil.
2: That's a real thing? People pledging their souls?
3: It's real in that if a human wants power, they can trade away their future for that power.
2: Oh, so you mean it is metaphor?
3: No, I think a lot of what we consider metaphor is real. Are you texting?
2: No, I'm taking notes. Um, and the last kind of possession?
3: That's why we're here. The Monsignor wants us to look into a case of diabolical obsession. So, when a person has constant, overwhelming, and irrational thoughts, making them act in perverse ways. It's hard to detect because it's the most highly functional of all the possessions, but it can lead to suicidal ideation and murder.
2: I mean, couldn't all these conditions have a psychological
1: explanation?
3: Sure. That's why you're here.
1: I wish that you all could see Dr. Fran during that clip. It was showing a lot of different examples of the demonic possession, and Dr. Fran was, um, you know, like, obviously disturbed.
0: Very disturbing. I don't want any of those possessions.
1: No, but kind of thinking about that, right? Like there was one related to the physical manifestation of the demon, right? So like we were kind of talking about like in in the past, like epilepsy when people would have seizures, they had attributed mm-hmm. that to the to demonic possession. Um, even the last one, having like obsessive thoughts and kind of engaging in actions that you can't control. Suicidal ideation, right? These are things, just as Dr. Bouchard astutely points out, like, couldn't these also be related to mental health conditions? Yeah, totally. That there's a lot of overlap there
0: and again, that's the whole premise of the show, which makes a lot of sense. But like you were mentioning before, and what kind of what we talked about, there's also been a lot of like history and research on what we used to think was maybe demonic possession or something like that, and kind of learning more about other ways that could these things could potentially be explained. Exactly.
1: So really interesting. Anything else that kind of caught your attention, Dr. Fran, while he was describing the demonic possession other than being visibly creeped out? I mean, from their explanation, some of them like can't be explained only by psychological
0: things like superhuman strength all of a sudden, yeah. or um, like a whole house being possessed, or a animal being possessed, or something like that. Like those things, obviously, you couldn't come up with a psychological explanation for if other people besides the person
1: being "quote" possessed was observing and witnessing those things happening. But that's a good that's a good point. It's like right, if it's being observed by others or not, there's a lot of like perception related here. So now that we've kind of talked about possession, we're going to really dive into the exorcism aspect of it. So to do so, we're going to listen to a clip of... A scene in evil where there is an exorcism being performed and at the exorcism there are there is a priest there's david acosta there's also um kristen Bichard, and then another psychiatrist are also present there's the woman who is possessed and then her husband so we're going to listen to a bit of the possession and then interestingly we'll get to hear the characters debate what they really think's going on and then dr fran and i can break it down and give a little more context into you know some of the things that the psychologists and psychiatrists think may be really happening here
3: Don't look at her demons, she can't help you. I demand your name.
1: God has forsaken you.
3: Your visions are hell, not heaven. The three stars are of hell. David? Ambition. Turn
2: from God, follow him. Powers with him.
3: Uh, I uh, you. Uh, Whoever you may be.
2: Uh, uh,
3: delusions, hallucinations, aggravated body movements—they're all symptoms of schizophrenia and demonic possession. Well, the patient has been indoctrinated through religion that pain and suffering are caused by demons. That has played into her delusions. So you think the exorcism's
2: feeding the delusions?
3: Yes. When you're dealing with schizophrenia, playing along with the delusions only escalates the illness. In my opinion, that's what's happening here. What if it's not delusions?
2: Dr. Boggs graduated Johns Hopkins. He's got 30 years treating schizophrenia, but, I mean, sure, let's just get his professional opinion and ignore it.
3: I understand that. All I'm asking is what if... Her possession is not a delusion. You're calling me here asking me to believe. But I deal in facts, psychiatry. I look at her and I see a very sick woman who needs a doctor's care and may die without it. And we see a very sick woman who may die if we stop. (coughs) And I need to get back in there. changed her mind you think it's possession i think she saw my vision and she's using it against me yes I, I i think she's possessed so if we believe and they don't how do we solve this
1: so as we mentioned in this clip, we hear a little bit of the exorcism occurring, and then we hear the doctors and the people from the church kind of debating what they think is going on. Interestingly, what happens next is that Dr. Bouchard takes, like, the canister that the holy water was in, and I apologize, I'm probably calling that by the wrong name, um, and she substitutes it for regular tap water. And when the priest goes to use it on the possessed woman, she still reacts. So then Dr. Bashard kind of calls, like, okay, this is all fake. Like she, I put trick water and she, resp- and she still responded to it. So it is mental illness. Um, and then it ends with the psychiatrist saying he really believes that this is a disease of the mind, not the soul.
0: I think this was really interesting. The whole concept of, you know, if we believe that this is schizophrenia or some kind of mental health condition, actually feeding into the delusions could exacerbate it. And we want to provide probably medical treatment with, like, medication, right? Versus if it's possession, it's, like, the opposite approach, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that's just, like, a really interesting push-pull that, like, the show does well of, like, their kind of counter-treatment, depending on what you actually think is going on. Reminds me a little bit of Shutter Island, mm-hmm. where we kind of talk about, like, Do you feed into the delusions and kind of encourage them in a way, Um, or do you directly confront them? And we kind of talk about that in a more nuanced way in that episode, which I recommend checking out if you haven't already.
1: Yeah, definitely. We talk a little bit more about psychosis, delusions, things of that nature, hallucinations. You know, there's definitely crossover here. Um, What I think is interesting, too, is just like Dr. Fran mentioned, like historically, this was also the case, as we see in the show, that not only was it a question of what's causing these symptoms, right? Demonic possession or schizophrenia, but the treatment. And I believe that in some of the literature, it actually describes that many people who were having exorcisms performed on them did die from like starvation and dehydration because they weren't also being, you know, medically treated during these periods of time that could go on for a very long time, you know, while they were trying to exorcise Mm -hmm. the demon. So, you know, um, definitely tricky. And I think we see that in this clip where the psychiatrist is very concerned about her safety saying she needs a hospital or she could die. Um, Also, just quickly interesting, also from history, there was literature relating to trick trials where people would try to kind of quote-unquote trick people who were possessed um, to see if they were actually possessed. And this is... um, Uh, you can definitely check out our website and we'll provide a link. But there is a paper that talks about um, history that occurred in France where someone had done one of these trick trials and they would pour tap water on a woman in front of a crowd and she would react like writhing, screaming. Um, And then when they would, um, in private, when there wasn't a crowd, they would actually pour holy water on her and she would not react. So they took this as quote-unquote evidence that she was not in fact possessed. So kind of interesting that the show kind of borrows from this situation that had occurred.
0: Yeah, that is. So at some point people were doing some of the job that this Psychologists and psychiatrists are doing of distinguishing between these two potential events.
1: Yeah, because the real root of it is kind of based in like a lot of things, right? Science, religion is kind of this quest for why, this quest for explanation. Um, and we do know that a person's spiritual involvement, the religious context of their life, this kind of meaning making is likely to affect a person's clinical presentation and can impact the content of psychotic symptoms like we see. So this show really kind of covers people who may or may not, depending on what you think, have psychotic symptoms that are of the religious nature. Yeah, and that
0: and that shows up in this clip where this person potentially has psychotic symptoms that have a religious quality, right, um, be likely because of what they say, like her involvement in the church. And I think we've seen this before also with um, maybe like obsessive and compulsive disorder, where the obsessions and compulsions may end up being more of a religious nature if someone has had those contexts. So someone, Not that that causes someone to have OCD, but that the OCD context or the schizophrenia context may be more likely to have features that are of a religious nature if someone comes from a background where they were very involved in the church or that that's something that they like really was a big part of their culture.
1: Exactly. And a psychiatrist does make note of that, that it may be very well for this woman that she's having these type of symptoms because she does come from a a religious background. Um, Interestingly, in the literature, we did find, and this is a very wide range, but 20 to 60% of patients with psychosis can report having delusions with religious content. And also very interesting from a Gallup poll from 2014, 42% of Americans responded that they believe that people on earth are sometimes possessed by the devil. So, you know, kind of just showing that that greater context, what people are believing, kind of how they're making meaning about their lives and what's around them, and potentially seeing it manifest in these psychosis, um, in these psychotic symptoms. So you
0: all have heard us mention the term psychosis and hallucinations, and again, we won't do a super deep dive on this today. And we refer to other episodes where we talk more about that. But just broadly, we think of psychosis from a psychological perspective being hallucinations, delusions, and confused or disturbed thoughts. And then within that, hallucinations are when someone is hearing seeing, smelling, tasting, or having some sensory input um, on something that doesn't exist outside of their mind so that other people do not perceive or hear or um, interpret in the same way.
1: And a delusion, and again, please do check out our session on Shutter Island where we really do a deep dive on delusions. But this is where a person may have a belief in something that is not really true or isn't perceived to be true by others and it is unshakable. So it's a very firm belief that something is occurring. Um, And a person with persecutory delusions may believe that, you know, someone is out to get them, someone is trying to hurt them. There are also grandiose delusions where people think they have some extraordinary power or authority. And overall, when people are in the midst of a psychotic episode um, or are experiencing psychotic symptoms, they are unaware that their delusions and hallucinations are not being perceived by others, which can really lead to them feeling frightened or distressed or confused. So going back to the topic of exorcisms for a moment,
0: um, there there is a quite a long history of exorcism. It's not something that like just came around in like the recent history here, um, though it is interesting that it really peaked in popularity around the 1970s with the release of the movie The Exorcist, which I would absolutely <laughs> never watch in my life. Um, but I do know about it and you know obviously it's a very popular movie and like kind of probably one of the like most classic horror films yes. that's ever come out. Um, and very scary even for like the 1970s, which didn't have the like quality of uh, special effects that they do
1: now. You're exactly right. And that movie, you know, has remained popular and was very popular at the time. So that uptick in people trying to use or seek exorcisms as a cure for mental illnesses also really peaked. Interestingly, um, in an article that we did find, it stated that the Vatican, so of the Catholic Church, had issued guidelines in 1999 that required a medical evaluation be completed to rule out mental or physical illness in anyone who claimed to be possessed. So, you know, it does seem that there is a guideline out there where there has to be a physical and um, mental examination completed before requiring an exorcism. So, you know, but what we also know is despite this guideline, symptoms of schizophrenia, psychosis, other mental health conditions are still being classified as a manic possession by priests um, in other countries or in other, you know, kind of just more broadly sometimes as well. So there you go, Dr. Sam. You could go do medical evaluations for the Vatican and (laughs) be Dr. Bouchard. I will, yeah. It would be so scary. If you watch the show, her home life definitely starts, or her work life rather, definitely starts to seep into her home life. So there will be like demons in her home. There's like people going after her children. Like it gets really scary, yeah. (laughs) No, it's definitely a different story when it's
0: actually happening to you versus something that you're watching on a TV screen.
1: Yeah. So overall, you know, we wanted to bring this topic of exorcisms and psychology to the podcast for spooky season you know it's definitely a creepy show but also just kind of highlighting the history and and you know kind of the details related to religion and medicine and how they've been intertwined intertwined throughout history and how kind of a different perspective on like psychology and this other kind of more paranormal and scary realm which is something we don't see all the time Yeah, I think this was a fun topic, and I appreciate, Dr. Sam, you didn't show us anything
0: too scary today. No. But if folks are interested in scary shows, it sounds like Dr. Sam recommends this one and has really enjoyed it, and that it has some really interesting themes. I just will never get a chance to appreciate them, because I will never watch this show.
1: I do, and it's already on season three, so you would have a lot of, you know, content to devour in that regard. Um, I also just want to end really quickly, I kind of Skipped over this, but I think it is interesting to note that this notion of evil spirits of evil spirits influencing human behavior, you know, is not new. It's been going on for a long time. And so we mentioned there's some interesting studies out there. There's actually a study that interviewed people with schizophrenia and kind of asked them um, about how they think they came about being possessed. So they were, you know, they had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and they were they thought that they were possessed, and they asked them why. And there were three main themes that came out. So in their description of why they thought they were possessed, there were links between traumatic experiences in their past and the psychotic symptoms they were experiencing. There was also this strong emergence of religious themes in the delusional contents that they were experiencing as well. And then there was this reluctance to seek or use medical treatment and instead trying to seek other answers and treatment, including exorcism. So I thought that that's also just kind of an interesting, more recent, more modern take on some people, you know, kind of living with psychotic symptoms and what they think about their symptoms. So really interesting there as well.
0: Yeah. And we'll link some of these resources that we've mentioned today um, and some of the terms that we talked about on our website as well
1: definitely thanks for joining our real rounds we will be back with a full session for our next podcast and don't forget to find and follow us on social media at freudscripts pod and all the things where we will try to do a better job you know in our hiatus we also haven't been following up with the social media as well but we're going to try to do our best to kind of get back on track with that as well yeah stay tuned we have some fun
0: stuff planned for the next few months including us not turning 50 but releasing our 50th <laughs> episode so that's exciting uh, so keep an eye out for some stuff we have planned over the next few months
1: definitely and as always if you are one of the psychologist assessors let us know if you have other questions, thoughts um, opinions about psychology or movies and TV shows you want on the couch let us know as always please do subscribe rate and review time's up see you next session
0: we'd like to thank our producer Brandon creative
1: director Eric and webmaster Don. All right, I hope Brandon does put in your reactions. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, hell no.